Hi, everybody. My name is Pat Hogarty, and welcome to Sacramento City College Business and Real Estate Show. Uh, this happens to be probably about the third, I th let's see, I think it's the third show that we're doing. And as I've mentioned before in the previous shows, the purpose of these shows is to bring into the classroom or bring here on campus professionals that are working within the industry so that they can share their knowledge and their expertise of what it's like to be either in real estate or in business on a daily basis. And today we happen to be fortunate enough to have somebody by the name of Lee Rutledge. And thank mm -hmm. you very much for coming. Thank Lee. you. And Lee happens to be the current or the outgoing, if you will. Uh, current. Current. <laughs> current president of yeah. the uh, Sacramento yeah. Association of Realtors, mm -hmm. which is, uh, as we talk about in classes, mm -hmm. is uh, the, if you will, the trade organization yep. for people that are going to be in the real estate uh, business mm -hmm. and so you've been the president for a year and so what I'd like to do is start out we always start out all of these interview sessions if you will with trying to find out a little bit about the people that we're going to be interviewing so what I'd like to do is first start out and ask you you know how did you end up getting into this thing that we call real estate okay. and how did you go about and where have you worked okay well years it's I'm coming up on 25 years and I was 25 at the time that I became a realtor and I can remember I was actually selling advertising at the time and went to, this was actually in North Carolina too, went into an office, a real estate office to sell the person advertising. And he was a broker there and he started chatting with me about, have you ever thought about real estate? And I had in college my degrees in business and in marketing and I'd had real estate classes and I, it always interested me, but I hadn't done anything with it. And Long story short, I got licensed and went to work for him, and that's how it all began. How it all began. Yeah. And so how long, so you taught, you uh, not taught, but I mean, I'm sorry, you, you uh, sold real estate in South Carolina, right? It was North Carolina. North Carolina. And then, yeah. And then where Te was the next place? Texas. Texas. And then here. And then here. Mm -hmm. What's the difference, if you will? Can you take a minute and just tell us what the difference is between those three different locations selling real estate? Um, first of all, Selling real estate and you're starting a little business. So I started, this was the third time I started a little business when I got to California. And that's the hard part. The hard part is um, getting started, building a business. and Because once some referral business starts to come, you know, it gets a little bit easier in terms of generating business. But North Carolina and Texas, first of all, the, the, the state exam is a lot harder in California. Oh. I did notice that. Not that that's, of course, this is years ago now. So... Mm -hmm. But I was—I'm a broker in all three states, and but the um, the other thing that really stands out about California—and again, now I've been here for 20 years—is uh, how much more litigious we are in California, Another and word. the level of the. See, I because I haven't been there in a long time. When I got here, I mean the disclosure laws. We're sort of the leader in all those sorts of things. The state of California is for the nation in many many ways. We have issues here before they ever hit, you know, southern states or... So you're yeah. saying that mainly like a lot of times we find that California is a leader in a lot of different things. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, absolutely. And just happens to be a leader in... Yes. <laughs> in yes, just, in lawsuits. Yeah, I mean, we we just are. We're, you know, by virtue of the fact of, I mean, our population, the number of transactions we do and everything, we, we experience, we, we seem to experience many things here sooner than some other parts of the country. Now, I tell a lot of times my students, we go over things like mm -hmm. disclosures yeah. and things like that, and, and there's tons and tons and tons of oh, disclosures yeah. that we mm -hmm. have to do. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just it's just amazing it uh, is. what has to be done. 
And I've always, my personal opinion, now I, I don't know what yours is, my personal opinion is, is that there's so many disclosures mm-hmm. that sometimes it's hard for our clients or your clients mm-hmm. to really even understand what's really oh, going absolutely. on. Oh, absolutely. Because there's so many things that are that are. You required. need a disclosure to disclose that you're not going to understand any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. And every year, every year there's another form or another paragraph in the CAR contract or one of the disclosures. Every year there's a change, if not one, many. If not yeah. one, many. Yeah. Now, what, what kinds of, uh, what I'd like to do is find out what kinds of real estate do you currently work in, you know, what okay. kinds of property, and also um, where possibly your practice is. Where do you you sell that kind of property? Oh, okay. Uh, I just do residential real estate, so I don't do any commercial. Um, my, personally in my own business, for me, I discovered years ago that it's better not to be, I know some agents will even, promote themselves as the tri-county realtor or whatever, and that's fine for them. It doesn't work for me. And years ago, I kind of brought my business in geographically. I live in Carmichael. Uh, my business, uh, my company I work for is on American River Drive near Howe Avenue. And what's the name of your company? Uh, Dunnigan, Dunnigan Sierra Oaks Realtors. Dunnigan Sierra Oaks Realtors. And there's another Dunnigan Realtors a couple blocks from here. Okay. That we're all the same company. And where's the one that you work on? On American River Drive. On American River Drive. Near Howe okay. Avenue, yeah. Okay. So we have two offices, the Land Park office and the American River Drive office. Okay. And I work, so most of my business is East Sac through Sacramento and into Carmichael. That's and basically. that's and that's for me. I know those properties. I know those streets. I know where the grocery stores are, the parks are, the schools are. I've been in not, certainly not all the properties, but the majority of them. And that's where, when I go to list a home, I've been in the homes in the area, you know, and I have a sense of what they're worth and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Now, one of the main reasons we asked you to come yeah. in today was because you are the mm-hmm. current president of the Sacramento Association of Realtors. And so what I'd like to do is take some time and tell us a little bit about, you know, what the association is. What, is, what does this association yeah, do? And, mm-hmm. and, and what is it like being president? And what kind? Of, what's the mission? What do we basically do? Okay. First of all, a lot of people, a lot of realtors don't know this, and the, pub, the public certainly doesn't even know the difference between a realtor and a licensee. Okay. So I always like people, and it really is amazing. how We have about 8,000 members, and truly a lot of those members don't even understand the difference. When your broker is a realtor, you, you have to be a realtor. Okay. Um, so you're, 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 uh, the broker of record is a realtor, and then everybody that works for them are realtors. And so a lot of people are just realtors because they just do it, and they don't think about it much. Um, the, the biggest difference especially to the public, between a realtor and a licensee is when you become a realtor, you raise your hand and you swear to abide by a code of ethics. And that really, that's a huge factor that sets us apart. We police ourselves. I mean, we have little courts. So to, I mean, that's a kind of an easy way to put it. We have a, um, a grievance committee at, at uh, all associations do a grievance committee and then a professional standards committee. So if I do uh, something that's not right to a member of the public or another realtor, those folks can file a complaint against me. And it goes to the grievance committee. That complaint is is looked at only one side of it. And if it looks like it's a warranted complaint, it's mo- it moves forward. And you actually have a little uh, tribunal that meets. And it's kind of like a little hearing to decide whether or not that person did anything wrong or not and then what the sanctions will be. 
Now, so we're talking about you can either the public can bring this up mm-hmm. or mem- or yep. a fellow member, Correct. Or a fellow member can bring it. Correct. Up. So, are you? Let's say, for example, I happen to have a house mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm selling the house, and I mm-hmm. happen to get upset with you know the uh, real estate agent mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and I feel that maybe I, I guess what 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 you know maybe they didn't do something correct or they didn't advise me correctly. And I know, I know, like within the contract that says I can do this thing, like uh, you know, mediation and right. arbitration and all that stuff. Does that mean that you're? That's you're, a different thing. That's a different thing altogether. The mediation and arbitration that's in a contract. Oh, just the the contract that's written when you're selling a home. That contract is between buyer and seller. Okay. So that contract only is binding to parties of the contract. We are not parties of the contract. However, let's say you have your home listed. Oh, I've been on many tribunals over the years. I'll try to think of, um, this would be a horrible thing to do, but it's happened in the past, where an agent, um, and I have your home listed, okay. and I have a buyer for the home. Okay. So I'm writing an offer. Well, this is this particular scenario is just against the law, let alone against our code of ethics. But I, uh, another agent, though, has a buyer looking at it, writes an offer, and gives it to me. But I don't, I want to get my own deal through, so I never even... I never even present the first offer. Okay. Well, that's flat out against the law. But in addition to that, it's also a violation of the Code of Ethics. So you as the seller find out about it later. Let's now, say the I deal would, is closed. I would, I would maybe be angry because maybe that other offer was oh, for a better yeah. price. Or... Well, it could be. Who knows? Who knows what the terms and conditions are? Okay. And you have to, by law, present them. But let's say this agent is not a good agent and didn't do that and didn't give it to you to, you know, to go over with you. That's a huge violation and you find out about it later and you that would be that's a prime example uh of coming to coming to the association and saying you know i had this agent i found out they did this and you would file a complaint complaint. Mm -hmm. now as a result of filing that complaint Mm -hmm. let's say for example you know i mean it could be found that the realtor didn't you know didn't make a mistake it could be found that it was in the favor what happens to that person let's say if the realtor is found that that they did guilty okay let's say they're guilty uh it can range because there are little there are little things that happen that you could literally just have a, a, a letter put in your file at sar a letter goes in your file that's kind of a warning letter, and it stays in there for three years. And then, if anything else happens, we know that other letter's there. And then, the the, uh, the next time, the sanction will be a lot more serious. But it can go anything from there to suspending your uh, membership okay. to actually revoking your membership. And even some, for instance, this one would probably be forwarded on to DRE. If you broke the law. We can only do certain things. We cannot take away your real estate license. Right. We're not the licensing agency. But we can do a list of things. But we can also, one of the things we can do is refer the case on to DRE. And DRE and is the Department of Real Estate. Correct. I'm and, sorry, yeah, the Department yeah. of Real Estate. And then right. they would they would bring the person in and they, take whatever the right, appropriate right, action happens. Right, I mean, that's very serious stuff. Okay. Uh, but there's a whole lot of... There's a whole lot of little things like, and sometimes the member of the public just, it was a bad misunderstanding. Okay. You know, sometimes they come in and it's just, there wasn't good communication and it's a, it's a very unfortunate misunderstanding, but the agent may not have violated any specific code of ethics. There just wasn't, it wasn't a good relationship. But there are also many times that they, uh, you know, they didn't have their, if you can prove they didn't have their client's best interest at heart, Fiduciary responsibility, Correct. if you will. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we, that's a, 
it's a significant thing though because when you when you were sworn in as a realtor and we hope people actually read our code of ethics which you know some probably don't but they're there and it's a sense of uh it's a it's an overwhelming sense of do, doing what's right um you know your clients obviously come ahead of you in your own mm -hmm. self-interest and there's a whole list of little laws we're supposed to abide by so to speak and that's what that's one thing that sets us apart the other thing that sets us apart is realtors are better educated than um, just licensees we have by virtue of the fact of what we offer through the association the, the educational opportunities are endless we have lists of designations you can you go through a series of classes. You can become a GRI, which is what is. Uh, I don't want to get you off track. Yeah, what, we could, You know, one of the things that uh, we've asked people before, because there are a lot of different designations yes, in schools are. of thought. Yes, there are. But what 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 are some of the common designations, and what do they mean? Like, what does a GRI mean? What GRE mean? is a GRI. A GRI, GRI right. is a graduate from Realtors Institute, okay. and it's a series of classes. I mean, my first. Within two years of me being in the business, I got my GRI in North Carolina. It was the best. You have to balance when you're new, working and classes because you have, you know, you want to earn a living and do real real estate. But, but the classes help you understand and learn, obviously, so you do a better job. But the, that particular designation, I, I mean, I just, it was the best education I got. It was very practical, um, practical information that you really used. Another one is CRS, which is Certified Residential Specialist. Those two are probably the biggest and most important for a residential for person. Residential yeah, for, there's also a Certified Residential um, a, a Senior, especially there's, there's a designation for folks who want to work with just seniors, not just seniors, but yeah, seniors. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there's different uh, opportunities out there for seniors uh, with um moving your tax base from one property to another and there's a variety of things you can do so anyway there's a designation for that there's a lot of designations, a lot of designations. if you were brand new though the GRI and the CRS although CRS has a requirement of uh, you have to have done so many transactions before you can complete your C your CRS now what what kinds of just roughly just a rough idea what kind of topics would be covered in those oh courses? gosh um, they talk about appraisal okay. Appra they talk about um, uh, pricing properties. Okay. They talk about in the CRS classes a lot to do with marketing, promoting uh, yourself and the property. Um, oh gosh, in the GRI series, a lot to do with finance, okay. you know, financing a property, contract law. There's a lot of covers a wide. No, one thing I things. know that you do at the uh, board. I mm -hmm. know you have two programs. One of them I'm sort of familiar with is I think it's called the Ready right. Program, right. and that. That is, I believe, for new agents. But then there's another program that you either started or were talking about starting, which was for people that Just were going started. to become brokers. Just started. Could you tell us a little bit yes. about those programs? The Ready Class Real Estate Trading Institute. Real Estate Training. Okay. That's what that stands for. And it is a series of classes that runs, I believe it's nine weeks. It's, it's a half a day every Friday for nine weeks. I think it's nine. And actually, I teach one of those classes on networking. Oh, okay. And so it's broken up. Oh, gosh. It... Again, you actually take the, the uh, CAR contract and go through it and learn how to fill it out. And CAR would be California Association I'm, yeah, of Realtors. I, sorry, okay. I keep, <laughs> California Association of Realtors contract. There's a section um, 
um, the class that I do, I do like only about an hour on networking one morning, and the rest of the three, the rest of the two hours is spent with a person on open houses. Really, to, you know, the difference between showing up at an open house and really showing up for an open house, really prepared, and so that guy really teaches you how to how to make a productive, a very very productive open house instead of just sitting there. Um, there's classes on uh, our ethics and our, our code of ethics. It, it, it brings you up to speed on some of that stuff. There's classes on um, um, how to fill out the listing contract properly. I mean, it takes, it takes a lot of the forms that there are and really makes you understand what they say. In fact, yeah. from what I understand from people I've talked to that have taken the class, uh, mm-hmm. the gentleman that teaches mm-hmm. that, Dave Tanner, mm-hmm. or teaches Dave part Tanner. of it. Uh, spends a lot of time because I tell students in my class, I said, when you go to take that class, they'll spend a lot of time explaining the law behind what that little right. paragraph really means. Dave Tanner was president last year right. of SAR, and he's also an attorney. Right. And he's very, very, very good at teaching, especially the legal technical classes there. Um, when you, and you, it is true, at least for me when I'm learning, if you know why something's in there and kind of the history of how it got there in the first place, it helps you remember it. Yeah, then it makes yeah. Kind of sense. It makes sense. Why is that there? You know, well, he he has an unbelievable memory right. yeah, <laughs> about where all this stuff came from. Yeah. So because that contract has evolved over years and years and years. Now, this is a test question Uh-oh. for my students. Oh, okay, good. Not students, for me. But I want to good. do this. And with the test question normally goes something to the fact that when you join SAR, mm-hmm. you automatically become a member of CAR and NAR. Now, let me just say for the, our general public that may be watching mm-hmm. this is that SAR means Sacramento Association of Realtors. Right. CAR means California Association of Realtors, and NAR is National Association of Realtors. So the test question always goes, by you joining SAR, mm-hmm. are you automatically a member of CAR and NAR? And the, the answer, answer is, is yes. Yes. The answer is yes. NAR, National Association of Realtors, is the mothership, (laughs) and it is um, all states, you know, all states have their equivalent of CAR, whatever association, whatever state you're in, and then from there, the associations develop within the state. Okay. Um, You asked a question earlier before we got on uh, on air, on on tape, the... um, it isn't necessarily Sacramento County is one association and L.A. County is one association. We happen to be in Sacramento, the Sacramento Association of Realtors, and it's Sacramento County. But it, um, L.A. has several different associations. That area, for instance, the Bay Area has several different associations. So you're saying within that one, uh, so you're saying like if, well, the problem is I think when we talk about L.A., first mm-hmm. of all, we're talking yeah. about that there's several counties down in L.A. That's true. That's true, because there's Orange County Association of Realtors, and there's there's actually an L.A. one, and there's, I you know, there, there's a lot of them. Okay. But you're right. It, it's, it, there's a whole bunch of, there's a huge population within many counties there. And, you know, but in the... In the Bay Area, there's the San Francisco San Francisco Association, but there's also the Bay Area Association, and there's I think even an East Bay. So, anyway, okay. but we're it's a little more clear cut here. I mean, there's a Placer County Associ- Placer Association, El Dorado Association, Sacramento Association, and we are it's just like one per county happens to be that way here. Just happens to be that it way. Just happens here. to be that way here. Just by right. accident. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> Or else it was planned. I'm not, I don't know. It was so. We're in 08. SAR is 100 years old. 
Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? And 08 is 100 years, years old. S-A-R. That is, that yeah. is amazing. That yeah, really that is, is amazing. amazing. So. But anyway. Now, you know, we talked about what Sacramento Association of Realtors mm-hmm. does. What 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 do we get when we join CAR and NAR? Mm-hmm. What kinds of cert besides you know just having you know be belonging? What kinds of services or right. whatever? For example, let's take one at a time. What would we get from CAR when we join, and we automatically become a member of California Association of Realtors? Mm-hmm. What do we get as what a result get? of that joining? You know what the number one thing, and people never see it. The the number one thing you get is or the lobbying efforts for legislation. Certain amount of money goes to NAR, which for national, you know, for federal law, and CAR, of course, we're concerned with state law. Okay. And it is absolutely amazing how much legislation is passed every year that in one way or the other can affect private property rights, um, can affect us as realtors regarding disclosure law. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bills every year in the state of California, and our lobbying, um, our lobbying people here that are in Sacramento, they're downtown, have to review every single piece of legislation to make sure none of it affects real estate, because you have to look at it. It's not just you know a transfer tax or something. I mean, it goes it goes deeper than that. There, years ago, there was a law proposed that every time a house was sold, a low flush toilet had to go in it. Low? A low flush toilet. So we're talking about, so we're not using a lot of gallons of water Correct. is what we're talking about. Okay. Correct. The, and the problem with that for us was, it's only when a home is sold. So we become the police. Because we have to make sure that happens through escrow. Mm-hmm. And then our argument for any point of sale, we call that a point of sale issue, anytime there's a point of sale um, proposal out there, why is it good for this guy on the street that he has to have a low flush toilet, but this house may not sell for 20 years, so they'll never have to replace the toilet? You know, if it's good for this guy, why don't you just go block by block and make mm-hmm. people change their toilets? Mm-hmm. That's just an example. But that came very close to being passed. So we have, so, you know, the average person out there would never know it. And then it's an additional burden upon the seller at the time, you know, selling the home that he has to, before he can close, go in and replace all the toilets. Now, we do have things such as uh, requirements for things like water heater, mm-hmm. which, is, which has been around being for strapped, a long period right. of time, and, and smoke detectors. And right. those are mainly, I guess you could say, <clears throat> things to help protect the consumer, you know, to make sure that they... Yeah, sometimes if it leans a little more toward health and safety or, like, smoke detectors, I mean, you know, it, but a toilet, I don't know, anyway. <laughs> now, that's what CAR that's, would do, uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think you also alluded to it, to, to, too, that CAR actually creates or maintains, if you will, all the real estate contracts, which yes. is, I think you were saying, to make sure all this... Consumer law gets right. put in the appropriate Absolutely. places. Absolutely. The, the, there are so many attorneys at CAR, mm-hmm. needless to say, but some of them are watching legislation, and then if and when, and depending on what passes there, you know, our contracts may need to be revised, our disclosures may need to be revised, and that's a whole other set of legal uh, people at CAR that work on that. Just yeah. get that into it. Oh, yeah. Now, if that's what CAR does, mm-hmm. what does NAR, NAR do? And again, well, the legislative efforts are huge. Every year in May, the National Association of Realtors meet 
the NAR directors meet twice a year. In May, it's always in Washington, D.C., and then in the fall, it's always a national convention somewhere. But when we're in Washington in May, and I've been an NAR director the last two years, you're in May, and you actually have a series of appointments with the with your senator or congressman. And you go to these meetings with our issues, and there may not be any serious issue on the table at the time, but you want to talk to them about what's up and coming, what's going on, how we feel about it. NAR is the largest trade association in the world. I mean, it's incredible. And we do have big lobbying power. And our primary concern is private property rights, period. And and another thing, and you mentioned this before, too, was protecting our... um, our um, right, our income tax. Deduction. There you go, yeah. income tax deduction, always on the table. I mean, you know, the, the general public will think it's kind of totally gone. It's handled. It's it's always there. It's always there. It's always simmering. Somebody's always, it's it's threatened continually. So well, we're you start to on wonder that. whether some of the people that introduced those laws mm-hmm. actually ever have to own a house. Well, exactly. You know, and, uh, because exactly. that is a major, I yeah. mean, it's a major investment for most of us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's also the major tax deduction that right. we happen to have for all of us. Right. And everybody benefits because, you know, we're, we're, we're helping the community, if you will, right. you know, by having, you know, homes and jobs That's and all right. that other stuff. So. Yeah. One thing I did want to ask you, too, was is that in, in this past year, uh, mm-hmm. signed into law, was some changes uh, for people that are going to be getting their real estate license. Right. And, uh, you know, I had checked into it a little bit, and, and uh, because students are aware, right now, if you read any of the, read any of the books, any of the textbooks, and right now we're sitting on uh, November 27, mm-hmm. 2006. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching it in future shows or even next year, as they say, because sometimes it helps to not have to keep recording things. Right. But this is a (laughs) new law that's going to take place. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that law? Yes. Currently, you can take your real estate exam with, uh, it's called a conditional, you have a conditional license. If you've taken one class, which I think is principles. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have 18 months to complete two other classes. Right. That has, is going to go away effective. Is it October next year? I know it's next year. I'm not sure. Well, what according, according to the, um, the, the news release that you asked me to yeah. look at, uh, I believe it said October 2007. That's what I think. I think it's away. October next year. It's, it's sometime in 07. I think it is October. So the change is, instead of having the 18 months to complete all the classes, you need to take all of the classes first, then sit for your test and become a licensee. Now, the one thing is, is that's interesting about that piece mm-hmm. of legislation is that it was sponsored by CAR. Yeah, we, it wasn't that CAR was trying to fight it. it no, was we were in favor of it. Are you wondering why? Yeah, I want to know why. <laughs> yes. You know, students may go, oh, you know. You know, unfortunately, real estate salespeople, whether you're a realtor or not, are not uh, viewed very favorably by a lot of the public very unprofessional. We have a very, unfortunately, an unprofessional reputation in many people's eyes. Uh, We felt like to be selling real estate, to be handling the largest financial transaction in someone's life, for most people, that you should be educated beyond one class. So we, we did feel strongly that you should, it's not, we didn't think it was too much to ask to get, have these classes done up front before you're licensed. And we hope that that raises the bar just a little bit. We want professional people in this business. Too many folks that get into real estate 
think it's easy money. They don't look at it as a career. They look at, oh, I can do this for a while, or I can sell my mother's mm -hmm. house, or whatever it is. And what those of us who care about this business that have made it their career, what we would really like to see is, a, is you know, get into this business as a business and as your career and care about it. And to have three classes, we did not feel like it was unreasonable at all. No, I wouldn't. I yeah. Mean, that would, you yeah. Know, that, uh, again, you know, when you really think about it, it is the most expensive. And it's the most one of the most complicated. It's complicated. It's, it gets more complicated every day. And it's not that those three classes are certainly going to teach you how to do it, but at least it's a little more a little more education and a little more commitment. And you're still having to work under the supervision of a broker, and you hope you choose a broker that, you know, has some experience and knows what they're doing. So that's, but that's why. And uh, if we had our way totally, it would probably be more, you know, more requirements than that. But that's yeah, what, because I that's do, what we I did sponsor. I do remember in the last couple of years, several of, you know, the good real estate agents mm -hmm. that I happen to know saying that they almost felt that when they received some of the offers, like they were doing tutoring on the other end. Well, you are. Like how, how to, oh, you know, you didn't fill this out correctly or that out no correctly. There's no question about and, it. Um, no and, question and, about it. It gets to be frustrating after a while to have to deal with that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And that's exactly what's been going on. Now, another thing I wanted to ask you now is is, is moving on to something we, technology. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, reading, getting ready to, you know, to do this interview, I did some research and found out that you know uh, SAR's strategic plan, mm -hmm. uh, which you all met this year, put right. uh, I forget how many people it was in the article that you wrote. By yeah, the way. it was, there was twenty of, twenty something of us there. Maybe it was more than thirty one or two. Uh, yeah, twenty something, thirty one. Some group of us went. But the gist that I got out of that, of reading the article, is, is that there's a lot more push on in the area of technology right. and things like that. And what I was going to ask you was is that we're seeing this in a lot of different businesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're seeing now a days, uh, for example, just this past week, you know, Walmart, uh, you know, their servers went down because of the fact that there was such a demand on people oh. buying, you know, buying uh, yeah. stuff over the Internet. Yeah. I mean, the uh, we've taken a look at the airline industry, or not airline, but the travel agents mm -hmm. that years ago. Oh, yeah. We went to them. Now we do everything over the Internet. Yeah. So we see things even in the educational field. Mm -hmm. We're moving from classroom to online mm -hmm. kind of training. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question I would have is, is what do you see and what does SAR and NAR and everybody else see the, the direction that this technology is going to take? You know, because we're talking now where you can look for houses on mm -hmm. the Internet and you can, yeah. do, it sounds like you can almost do your own appraisal on the yeah. Internet. So what is your feelings on that? Well, first of all, uh, all the technology we have in this business, all of it, they're, all, it's all, it's tool, they're tools. They're tools that aid us. I can remember... Gosh, it's probably been 12 or 13 years ago now at CAR, because the California Association of Realtors Directors meeting. So I was a director back then. And I can remember sitting in the room of, you know, 800 people. And doom and gloom, we're going to be out of business because everybody will buy a house online. And I sat there then thinking, that's crazy. That's not, I don't, I do not believe it'll, ha it'll ever happen. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Buying a home is more than buying a pair of socks from Walmart or whatever from Walmart. I mean, it doesn't matter. Buying a home is buying a lifestyle. It is buying a neighborhood. It is buying schools, grocery stores, parks. You cannot tell looking online who's across the street, who's next door, what does the grocery store look like, uh, what are the school, the whole deal. And another thing you're 
students need to keep in mind if they're thinking about this as a career, this is a people and service business. The product is the home. But unless you build relationships with people and service them and guide them through all of this paperwork, finding the actual home is obviously part of it. And consumers love the fact that they can get on Realtor.com, my website, my company's website, anybody's website, and you can get onto the MLS here and search for property. Quite frankly, it has done nothing but in many ways make my job easier because it used to be consumers had none of that, none of that information. So you'd meet with them, put them in the car, drive them around, sell them, you know, show them homes. There are some homes people can eliminate based on the stuff online. If they absolutely don't want a fixer and it's a trash house that they can see the pictures online, that may not be the house for them. So maybe they eliminate it. I will tell you this, though, and I've also told buyers that I work with, there have been, I have worked with buyers before that say, oh, I don't want to see that house because of whatever. But if I know the house and I know the neighborhood and I know it's a good value or whatever it is, I'll say to them, okay, I know you eliminated this one, but bear with me here. You know, would you like to see it if I told you blah, blah, blah? They go, oh, okay. And I've sold those houses. So sometimes, you know, it's a mistake to just eliminate based on it's still limited information in terms of the whole big picture of the house. Do you, just, do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think what you're yeah. saying is, is that it helps the, the consumer get become informed oh, about absolutely. what's going on, get a rough absolutely. idea of what prices yep. are. But um, to actually pick the house. I remember 15 years, whatever, however many years ago it was, oh, people will be in Boston to buy a house in Sacramento, never sight unseen, never even see it. Well, that would be just brilliant. Give me a break. And I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure there have been people, maybe investors, you know, or whatever, for certain kinds of real estate that they do that. Mm -hmm. But I have a hard time believing that somebody moving across town or across country for their family to live in a home and raise their kids, they're not going to want to get in the house and the house down the street and compare, you know, and do the whole thing. This is your life you're talking about. You know, this is, there's the investment aspect of it, always. But it's also a home where you're going to raise your children and live your life. And it's, it goes way beyond, you know, just. Well, you know, you're looking at the community. I know mm-hmm. to me, I talk about in, in my classes with students, like we define things like what is a neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we can mm-hmm. go into certain areas. We drive into a community. It's a brand new community. Uh, the houses are fairly what we call homogeneous. Mm-hmm. They look pretty much, I don't mean that they're, cookie cutter but they yeah. they look the same we know that people yep. that are living five blocks over the, what they're doing where their kids go to school whatever right. whereas if I go if you will say in the downtown Sacramento mm-hmm. area and I go totally along different. in certain areas where we have million dollar homes yeah. on the 41st street and we go down a few blocks and all of a sudden the whole neighborhood changes, changes. we don't know that without driving through the that's neighborhood that's exactly right yeah. I heard a story about a, a seller through some some agents that I work with that bought a home with an out-of-area agent who thought he was buying, when he bought, thought he was buying in the fabulous 40s in East Sacramento. Wasn't anywhere close to the fabulous 40s. How he thought that, I'm not sure, but relied on an agent that didn't know, but barely was in the house, whatever it was, and an out-of-area agent 
you know. Well, it's like sometimes I'll joke much. with students, you know, like, for example, they'll, I live up in a place called uh, Serrano, mm -hmm. up in El Dorado Hills, and mm -hmm. we'll talk about certain homes having the view of the Sacramento Lights, the view right. of Folsom Lake. And right. it could be that the ad says you have a view of the Sacramento Lights or Folsom Lake, or say Folsom Lake, but that's only when you're standing on top of the toilet in the restroom. Right, right. Looking out the window right. at a certain angle, do you actually ever see it? Right. And um, and it's not until you get there and actually look at the home and get a feel for what it's oh, like and, and does it flow the way that you want it. And, and, absolutely. Uh, and um, most maybe. people, you you walk in a home and I'm showing property. I mean, I've with some bars they walk in, they can barrel it, and they go, you know, this is just not it for mm -hmm. whatever the. Re and there's other ones that I remember the house I, I bought that I'm in now when I got married and we bought it. I walked in. I knew before I was at, I knew when I walked in and looked through out to the backyard, and that house needed a lot of work, but I knew that was the one. That was the house. I knew it. I looked around the rest, and that, it was it. So, and not for everybody, for, for a lot of people, there is a feeling. You know, there's a, homes do have feelings, and you can't, you can't sell that. On the oh, internet. You just can't. On the internet. The internet's a great tool. Great tool. I, I love looking at real estate around the country. You know, sometimes I'll get on and look here or there, and you get a sense. You get a sense of value, and you get a sense of, you know, but it doesn't tell you that the house on, you know, Los Coaches happens to be on the corner of uh, Fair Oaks Boulevard also. Well, you know, you're not going to be able to tell that on the Internet. Or oh, this one's a good deal. Or about noise or, right. or, or right. planes so if that concern, Right, and you, exactly. You don't know where the airport is or... So the technology is not going to replace the real estate agent. That's right. I, I just, I really don't see it. It's too, it's too personal of a business. Uh, there's way too many, way too many factors in buying a home. What makes a person choose this home over that home? It's a great tool, can cut through a lot of stuff or maybe eliminate some things. But the real value is having, working with someone who, you know, knows what they're doing, is committed to you, blah, 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 blah. Yep. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you now, moving on to another subject, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we're, we're in a marketplace right now where we're talking about being in a transition phase. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure where I was going to say this, and I'll lead to it, but, you know, a couple of years ago we were talking about people standing in line, camping overnight to right. even get the opportunity to, ha to put their name in a hat, to get right. drawn, to maybe even put an offer in on a house. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember seeing an, uh, an article in the Sacramento Bee in which they were talking about a house I swear I wish I would have kept this article, but I, I think it said something like they had 67 offers on this fixer-upper house. To today now where those the interest rates have gone up, the Federal Reserve <coughs> is raising interest mm -hmm. rates I think 17 times. They've sort of stabilized mm -hmm. the last couple of times. And now we're more or less in a transition phase as we go. One of the things, though, that has always concerned me, mm -hmm. and I want to get your take on this, is is some of this financing that we've seen come in uh, in the last number of years, things right. like adjustable rate mortgages, interest-only mortgages, things like that. Um, how, what are your feelings mm -hmm. on those? Uh, well, they scare me. Not all the time, but a lot of times. And I did a lot of educating to a lot of the buyers I had, especially if they were young buyers or inexperienced. Um, but even if you fully understand, truly fully understand what you're getting into with one of them, then that's a decision you make. You're an adult and you're buying a home and all those sorts of things. But there were a lot of entry-level type buyers. The scariest thing to me was the uh, zero down interest only. So you have no equity in this home. Mm -hmm. You're paying interest only. Obviously, 
you're not paying anything toward the mortgage. And my 25th year in real estate's coming up. I've been through many, many, many ups and downs, ups and downs, and ups and downs mm-hmm. over the years. I knew it wasn't going to last forever. And if you happen to be the buyer that buys at the peak, and you've put no money down, and you're an adjustable rate, interest, I mean, crazy loans, crazy, with the great low payments for six months or a year or whatever, and then bam. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks thought, well, you know, this real estate market's going to go on forever, and the worst case scenario in the whole wide world is I sell the house, and I still make money, and off I go, and I just, which oh. I, Which oh. I found scary. It just, as a, as somebody that's been around a long time, I just thought, oh, my God, I'm way, well, I'm, Way too conservative for that. First of all, I have to say that. That's just my nature. I'm way too conservative for that. However, I, I sensed our market went on a good year and a half longer than I thought it would. Maybe even two. I kept thinking it's got to be over soon. So there's a lot of people that are going to be in trouble or are in trouble. And I've worked with a couple of them this year who and it isn't just that. It's also the people who maybe bought five years ago. They've, they've realized all this appreciation, but they've taken every bit of it out and bought cars and gone here and gone there and spent it on whatever. And you can literally have a credit card as a debit card against your, you know, for the second on your home. Mm-hmm. And so they've totally over encumbered the home. Now here they are, and they've got to sell because of whatever reason, you know, a divorce or a, a move or whatever it is. You know, what you've got to think about is long, long-term with the house and also if something, if you lose your job, if this happens, is that, is, you know, if this, this or that happens, do you have the money saved, the wherewithal to, to weather those, those, those times and those storms? And a lot of people don't. Well, the other thing that bothers me, too, is I don't think that the banks, the lenders, are doing themselves any justice I because I know I tell my students in my class all the time, I said, I say to them, if you go down to a lender, if you go to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, mm-hmm. whoever it is, go in and find out if you can find somebody like the pool cleaning department mm-hmm. or the hot club, hot tub cleaning department or the uh, lawn mowing department. You know, the lender is not in the business of mm-hmm. taking back and managing properties. Right. And now, all of a sudden, if they're ending up back with this thing that was pledged to security, but to me, it's always been like that's the worst-case scenario. Mm -hmm. The worst-case scenario is the bank wants the property back. Right. And now they're getting stuck with this thing. And Mm -hmm. now, if the houses are not moving, we start talking about maybe there might be vandalism and on and on. So I don't think it benefits either side Oh, no, it doesn't. They don't like taking the properties back at all. No. Because you're right. They're not in that business. No, they're not. That's not what they want. No. No, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I I hate to say I I you know all I knew this would it had to happen yeah and it's we'll see what happens. I the think next what was scary years. to me is when I talked to somebody that I knew had wanted to move up in a house. Mm-hmm. They knew that they were just barely qualifying. Right. And then their escape route, if they will, was well, if the house, if I can't afford the pay, if they do happen right. to go up, I'll just sell it. I'll sell it. You know, and you go well. Well, to wait who? a minute. <laughs> well, to, it, first of all, it's not free to sell your house. Mm-hmm. There's expenses of selling. The market had better be there for it, which now it may not be. Yeah. yeah. So that's. Now, the, the, the next thing I want to ask you about is, is now in this transitionary market, mm-hmm. we have two groups of people. We have buyers and we mm-hmm. have sellers. Right. Okay. And I've 
mention this in classes all the time. You know, people still always, things happen, they got to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, they have job transfers, mm-hmm. divorces, deaths, whatever. People still need to buy. Right. So we right. have these people out there. It's right. not like the market's changed and buyers and sellers went away. We've right. got them. Right. So what would you do as a recommendation? We'll start first with the buyers. What okay. Would you, what, what could, a, if a buyer walks in looking mm-hmm. to buy a house mm-hmm. with you, what kinds of things would you be telling them or would you advise them on that they need to do in order to prepare themselves to buy? Oh, well, the very first thing I do with any buyer is have them talk to a reputable lender, a good lender, about what they can qualify for and where they're comfortable. Now, what I personally say is find out the most you can qualify for, whatever that is. Let's just say it's a buyer and 400000 is the most they can afford, if whatever. But they're not comfortable with that. They're not comfortable with that payment. They want to be more 325, 350 because they don't want to, you know, they want to have a life <laughs> in addition life. to paying a mortgage, which I'm all for. Right. I think that's great. So, so I go great. But now, but here, here's what can happen a lot of times. So let's say I know this buyer qualifies for four, but they want to be 325, 350. Let's say even they say they 325. So we go out, we start to look at homes, and they fall in love with a house that's 360, just to make up a number. 360. I know they can do it financially according to the lender if they want to. So I'm not questioning as their agent. I know they can do it. It's their decision whether they want to do it or not. And they do it or they don't. But that's how I personally like to do it. Find out what the most is and then we'll back off of it. Um, to where, the, But I really want them to be comfortable with their payment. So the very first thing is get them qualified. Okay. You need them now, qualified. when they get qualified, mm-hmm. what, is there a document that's produced as a result yeah, of that? Yeah, there's a, now, and there's, there can be a couple levels of that. There's pre, pre, uh, qualified and pre approved. What's the difference? Then? When you get a pre qual letter from a lender, some of them aren't worth the paper they're written on. It's, oh, I talked to them on the phone. They say they make this. They say they do that. They're pre qualified. My, the lender I work with a lot takes it a step further than that. I mean, he runs a credit check on them, you know, make sure their credit's good. And, um, Starts the, starts the um, income verification process, you know, and maybe ask for a pay stub, those sorts of things. Pre-approved is you've provided all the information to the lender. They've done the credit check. They've looked at your bills. They've, they've got your um, verification of employment, all that stuff. Yeah, maybe your tax returns, whatever it is. And you are completely, it's been through underwriting. You are approved subject to an appraisal. So okay. you've got to find the house, and the house has to appraise. Which, you know, is not going to happen, obviously, until you find the right house. But that is a pre-approved buyer. And when I, and what I start with is I'll get the pre-qual, but I also know the credit's been checked and some stuff. And then I work, you know, we can still go out and look at houses and work toward the pre-approval. Now, the advantage that gives a buyer, and buyers need to understand this, is even in a market that's um, uh, tougher for a seller, there's more competition, when you go in to write an offer and you have a pre-approval letter, that seller, one of that, one of the fears a seller always has, good market or bad, is can they close? I mean, will it will it close? Is this buyer qualified? And a pre-approval letter is that much better than a pre-qual letter. And so, if you have that with you, or I, I have it with me, when I submit the offer, I submit that letter also. So you submit that with the I offer. I do. You yeah. submit it with the if, offer whenever possible, which is most of the time. I submit it with. So it shows that they're really, they're serious and they're qualified. They're serious, they're qualified, absolutely. And then that takes that con- that concern away from the seller, I mean, for the most part. You know, you still have inspections to get through and everything else, but you know you're dealing with a buyer who can actually afford the home. Okay. 
So Is there anything else that you would need to be telling the buyer? Well, you know, different buyers, some buyers know exactly where they want to live, for instance. Others think, oh, well, you know, I could live here, there, or wherever. So we start the really the elimination process of, you know, you know, how much commute time do you really want or how much do you, um, you know, if they're single, where they want to, you know, they want to be near things or if they're or if their kids are going to school. There's a lot. So many factors are going to buying a home that you, you know, the first time I go out, I'll show them a variety of areas and then you start to kind of. You know, you start to kind of bring it in because they go, you know, I'm not so hot on this neighborhood or whatever, or I really, really like this one. So that's how the, that's how it kind of generally goes. You, you start sort of eliminating and how many houses down. should a buyer be looking at? I mean, because some of us ter- turn this thing into, a, you know, I mean, I, I've been married, my wife and I have. You know, we've owned a lot of houses, but I mean, you can turn yeah. this thing into a career where every single weekend you're out looking at houses. Well, I mean, how many? What's a good amount to finally say? Well, or, you need to either go. You know. Well, see, this is how I. This again is one person's opinion. I also I prepare a buyer, and even in a market where there's a lot of inventory, I say, you know, I want to prepare you. You may find the right home for you today. You, we may walk into the perfect home for you today. Now, you can buy it or not buy it, but a buyer should not feel like, oh, I haven't seen 47 houses. How can I buy this one? If it really is a neighborhood you like, the price is right, the condition's right, the street's great, the da-da-da-da-da-da, why not? I've sold, I've sold a lot of real estate over the years the first time out with a buyer. That shocks some people, but it's the truth. But you truly, with me, if it's not the first day, and that's not the mo- not most of them, it's the second or third trip out. Second or third trip. If you... If how many houses would you finally say, like, if, oh. if you... Would, is there a number that you would finally say this person? I've heard people say, I have looked at 150. That's craziness. That's not... Whoever's helping you... My first time out with somebody, I get a really good sense of what they're going to go for. And I can, I really can. I'll tell them about property, but it has this or this or that because I've been in the house. They go, you know, you eliminate it. You've got to, you just don't need to look at that many. Unless you said, there's a, there's a lot of people that like to look at a lot of real estate. It becomes a hobby. It becomes a yeah. hobby. Well, I don't earn my living with being other people's a, hobbies. Right, I mean, I'm just being, yeah. you know, honest with you. My job is to find them the home that's going to work for them. The best home we can get. For the best price and the best circumstance and the, and the whole thing. That's my job. It's not to play tour guide. So anyway, so, for a buyer, for a buyer, you're really just telling them to make darn sure that they're serious, ready, willing, and able to perform yes. right now. Yes. That way, when they put their yes. offer in, the seller says, "You know what? Maybe if I'm looking at two different offers, I got somebody here that's qualified, ready oh, yeah. to rock and roll. I'm going to take them over yeah. these people here. Maybe even right. getting in concession, saying, you know, hey, wait a minute, this is not only a serious buyer and approved." Mm-hmm. You know, I may take a little less money because of the fact that I, oh, you know, they are absolutely. a good person. If you've got two offers on the table, and even in a transition market like we're in, it's amazing how all of a sudden the home's been on the market three months and then there's three offers on it. It's bizarre. That stuff happens all the time. Well, finally the seller gets the price right, right, and then it attracts attention. But you, regardless of the market, you want to go on with a well-written, clean offer with the with the you know the backup of a good strong letter from a lender that says you're qualified and if whether or not another offer comes in it's scary for a, a seller to take their home off the market for somebody that they don't know anything about right yeah now what what about sellers what should sellers mm-hmm. be doing during this period of time now 
Because there's a lot of competition. I mean, there's I, a ton of competition. I mean, it even 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 for me, who's been in my house now, I built a brand new house. Probably mm-hmm. it's coming up on three years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I go down my street, and I mean, it was you know. You know, we're talking yeah. about houses that are like in the million-dollar range. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Still, in all though, you go down the street and you start seeing these for sale signs, and, oh, you, yeah. go, and you start realizing, wait a minute, the Ooh. guy across the street is. A co- oh. If I want to sell my house, he's my competitor. That's right. So how right. do you how do you handle and that? And that's exactly, well, all things in the universe when you're selling a home boil down to one thing, and it's price, because the condition should be reflected in the price. So either you. If a home needs some work, you either do it or you price it accordingly. If if it's just a gorgeous house and it's perfect and everything else and everything else, it's still your competition is down the street. And I'll tell you, when I am working with sellers, I say to them, "Okay, here's a buyer. He's going to be looking here, here, and here." Now, every seller in the world thinks their home's worth more than the one down the street. That's true. <laughs> of course you do. It's your home. Yeah, you love yeah, it. You've yeah. put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, if not physically, certainly by writing the check for the mortgage or whatever right. it is. You bought that house because you loved it or you built it or whatever it is, and it's you. Right. So it's very personal. Everybody thinks their home's worth more than the one down the street. The buyer, however, doesn't. <laughs> so the buyer is looking at things more objectively. Boop, 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 boop. So they compare them all. What you do not want to happen is you don't want your house to sell that house because you're priced at $900,000 and this one's priced at $800,000 and they're virtually, really, they're not the same house, but they have the same amenities or whatever it is. Buyer looks at them both. Well, I'm going to buy that one. You've just sold that house. Because you're, because you're, of the pricing. you're, you're, you're Absolutely. More what you want to do and I just had this with a seller in another ha- in a little house in East Sacramento. I knew the competition. I knew everything. I said, here we are. We want that guy to sell your house. He's not going to know he's going to be selling your house, but we need to be a notch below that house. Well, my house is better. Well, trust me. If you want, let's just be a little bit below. And we did it, and she's the one who sold. And because those buyers, what, is, what sellers have to remember is a buyer is looking at it all. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at every house out there in their price range in the neighborhood where they want to live. Now, what about so. things like home staging? That's gotten to be the hot home to- staging. Home staging. That's gotten to be a big hot topic. You know what's now. interesting about that is the hot topicness part of it. I've been staging homes for 20 years. I mean, n- not officially hiring a stager, but I always spend so much time. It may be I may meet with a seller. They decide they're going to work with me. We may even do all the paperwork. That house is not going on the market till it's ready. And I mean, we have a list of stuff. You know, it may be painting, weeding. I, I've had sellers pack, rent storage places to pack everything. You know, and here's the deal. You know, they're moving anyway. So pack this stuff up if they're the kind of people that kind of are pack rats, which a lot of people are. It's fine. But when your home goes on the market, you mentally have to shift from living in it to marketing it. That's hard. I know that I watch it's a number hard. of these shows on TV, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they've got like stage your not stage your home, but sell mm-hmm. this home, and uh, you know between the top, you know the topics of it and what they do, I I, I get confused sometimes, but because yeah. I can't remember which goes with which. But it's interesting when they show these homes and where people live, mm-hmm. you know, and these are people mm-hmm. that are living in homes, and they take you into the kids' room, and the, and the room is you know like maybe ten by twelve. And you walk into the room, and there's absolutely no room in there. There's it's so full of it's, toys and beds and oh, and then, stuff everywhere. You can't. Oh, what does that say to a buyer? 
There's, There's no, no room. room in this house. Right. What's the say to a buyer when they open up a closet door and stuff falls on them? Right. No storage in this house. No storage. I mean, so this is what, you know, but that, so the staging, now there are professional stagers. And where years ago they're just, you know. But I think you're alluding to the fact that a lot of this is thing. common sense. Though. Oh, a lot of it's common sense. You know, like Here's the deal, though. Some people, it can be very difficult. It's a sensitive topic. When you go into a home, and it's sometimes very hard to say, you know, you need to put, your, clear out all, you, so you, you know, you have to phrase it right. You know, look, you know, buyers, need to, people take it personally. Right. What the stagers have done, a lot of agents hire a stager because they don't want to have to tell the seller to clean the stuff up. Right. They feel like it puts them in an awkward, um, uncomfortable position with the seller. So when you bring in a third party to do the dirty work, so to speak, the third party comes in and says, oh, you need to do da-da-da-da-da-da, and that's their business, right. and sometimes sellers don't take such offense to it. Right. So that's one reason stagers have gotten more popular. Right. It takes it off the agent. I think the other thing, too, I mean, years ago, I mean, I've owned houses <coughs> now since 1972 mm. or something like yeah. that, mm-hmm. and my wife and I over the years have sold houses, and mm-hmm. a lot of it is common sense. You it know, is. You, you, you get used to the fact that when you get up in the morning, you don't leave dishes in the sink. Right. You make the bed. Right. You vacuum the place up. You cut the lawn. You yeah. do things like that. You paint to make sure it is. Right. But again, I think it's the fact like you was, and I had never really thought about it like that. You're trying to make it so that uh, if your house is not, I guess what you're saying is beyond price, if your mm-hmm. house is not in good shape and doesn't show well, right. which could be just a matter of, a, in some cases, a few hundred dollars worth of paint right. and a lot of elbow grease. Right. If it doesn't, then you're actually helping to sell oh, the yeah. neighbor's house is what oh, you're yeah. really doing. So. Another thing that's huge is how a house smells. I mean, that's about, <laughs> you know, if sometimes the way, if you cook, Certain kinds of fish, or if you, you know, there there are ways people cook and eat that sometimes I've I've said, you know, you really you probably shouldn't cook that while your house is on the market. I mean, doesn't that sound silly? But it's true. If you happen to be shown the next morning, you, the sense of smell is a keen keen sense that people don't even think about. Right. And you can walk in and it's over. If people smoke in a house and you're not a smoker, it's over. I mean, I've had buyers woo dogs, cats. It goes on and on and on. It's a big smells a big deal, and yeah. it's and sometimes yeah. it's the hardest thing to, to fix. Okay. Yeah. Well, we only have a couple men, uh, okay. a couple, if you will, maybe less than a minute to go. Oh, okay. Um, Wrap up. I just want to thank you very much for coming. Mm-hmm. I want to. If there's anything else, can you add? What do you see the future? I mean, in less than thirty seconds, tell us what you see the the future is for the Sacramento or the real estate market. I, I we still I I still think we have a little time to get through this transition. Long term, I mean, there's no better investment anywhere than real estate. There isn't. Mm-hmm. You will always come out ahead. So if you're a buyer out there looking, do your shopping, do your looking, buy a house. You won't be sorry. Okay. And everybody, I want to thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you back here again for the next show. Beyond that, have a nice day. Bye-bye.